What is going on? Welcome to a special episode of Room 9. Got a solo episode happening here. This was a result of... Did that presentation out at Horizon Village a few weeks back. And I wanted to get rid of some wrinkles. I kind of wanted to go over my material a little bit. So I figured, you know what? Why not record it and just throw out another episode of Room 9. Solo episode. This will not be a numeric episode. So I would just title it whatever. I'm not even sure yet. But I wanted your feedback to see how you enjoyed just hearing me talk for 45 minutes. <laughs> Hopefully it's more than I enjoyed myself talking for 45 minutes. Anywho, I go over a few points in my recovery that have really helped me up until this point to stay on a great path and stay strong and stay disciplined. So hope you guys enjoy this. July 8th, I will be speaking at a parent support group with my mom and sister down at Save the Michaels. So if you want more information on that, send us an email at room9podcast at gmail.com, savethemichaels.org. We'll have information and I think think that's all i'm gonna tell you guys so yeah give me your feedback on all of this let me know what you think if you would like to see more of these here and there in the future to me it's nowhere near as enjoyable as doing one with a guest but you do what you gotta do so without further ado here's this whole episode titled awakened recovery wait a minute you're showing a cover oh you better believe it how you gonna know? Think about that. That turn. You're showing color. That's the whole thing. That's what separates us. Yeah, things have changed. It's ridiculous. <laughs> This episode of Room 9 is going to be a solo episode, so I'm going to kick it off. What I really kind of wanted to do is I just recently did a presentation at Horizon Village, and I thought it would be awesome and cool for me to actually go over it because there's a lot of wrinkles that need to get ironed out. A lot of wrinkles. So it felt kind of off for a little bit while I was there. And Anywho, basically what I ended up talking about, looking back at my time from... The moment I was arrested until basically now, I guess I would say, there was some things that I knew I really had to focus on and change. And I did this presentation at Horizon Village mainly on the four biggest things that I found that I needed to change in myself and in my life in order to be able to get this shit down and not have to worry about getting stuck in the cycle of relapse because there is so many who continuously get trapped in that cycle of over and over again get relapsed that was one of the biggest things that bugged me even in jail I was in Erie County Holding Center for a little bit and they actually which is probably just more of a PR move than anything but they had me all with essentially it's pretty much all addicts definitely it was all addicts but mainly even opiate addicts they were really trying to focus in and hone in down at the down at the holding center 
on opiate addiction and everything else. So mainly it was opiates, but there were some people who were addicted to crack and some other things. But that's kind of where they put everybody who was struggling with drugs. And they would hold groups in there twice a week. Or was it three times? Three times a week. Every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, there was a group there. Somebody from Best Self would come in the jail and hang out with us and talk with us. And it was quite, it was quite interesting. It was definitely, for being in jail for the first time, I probably got off pretty easy and was not with a huge crowd of annoying people. That's just my guess from what I hear mainly from people in jail. But even in jail, I heard so many story people just relapsing over and over again. People relapse, relapse, relapse. And I knew even in jail, like, I need to figure this out. I need to figure out why this is happening. Why? How can somebody with 10, 15 years of sobriety just fucking lose it? Like, that's crazy to me. Like, how can you just lose it after that long? Like, shouldn't this be automatic? It's definitely not physiological. So what is it? And I know you guys have heard me talk about this quote over and over again, but that's where this is when I came up with it because I seen so many people who are losing it were lacking self-awareness to the point where they could not see in themselves when they were slipping, when they were getting so overconfident, when they were getting such in a cocky mood that they like, I got this. I don't need to work on myself anymore. I don't need to pay attention. I don't need to watch myself. I got this. I've done it for 10 years. I don't even need to think about it anymore. And maybe that was the issue is that they thought it was going to be automatic. They thought they didn't have to keep focusing and honing in on what they needed to hone in on. And that is the number one biggest thing right now. And when people ask me, you know, do you think you have a relapse? And I, I say no. I do say no. But my reasoning for saying no, and this is it right now, I say no because I know that it is very possible I could relapse at any moment. And I would say that for almost anybody. It's very possible for anybody to slip into addiction at any moment. I don't care who you are. It's a very big possibility. So I was like, what is it? There's got to be a a lack of self-awareness, a lack of introspection there where somebody is just losing it and they lose it and all of a sudden they wake up and they're in a binge. So I started doing some research, started doing some other things, watching some videos, reading some papers, whatever, trying to figure this thing out. And the the title of my presentation was is called Awakened Recovery and the subtitle of How Continual Introspection is Key to Sobriety, because that's what it's going to take. It's going to take a constant introspective point of view of oneself in order to be able to keep aware of things that are going to lead you down to a path where you will be back into the shitstorm of addiction again. And there's no doubt about it. It can happen to anybody. I mean, I've heard people who've had a sponsor for 10 years, they've been clean, that's been their sponsor for 10 years, and that sponsor has been clean for 20 years, and all of a sudden they relapse or they overdose and die. This this is not a joke, this is not a game, this is not something simple. And my favorite thing about this, I could bring, my favorite thing about this podcast, really, but even doing like these presentations is I can bring my love for psychology, I can bring my love for philosophy, my love for different theologies, and all encompass them into one thing, and share it with people. So it's awesome for me. And it helps because really anything can be related to addiction as far as it's all about improving your own individuality, improving yourself to the point where you become more of an aware person, become a better human being, whatever that actually even means. 
So self-awareness is a necessity. Introspection is a necessity. Being able to look at yourself and say, I need to change this. I need to change that. I need to change this. I also need to change that. And be able to do that with a sense of love, a sense of acceptance, a sense of self-forgiveness and compassion and all those great things that we need for our own selves. And that is a, those are the two main things that need to come together in order for us to continuously improve our lives be able to lay our head down at night and feel good about ourselves, not constantly have anxiety about bullshit that we just don't want to do and don't want to change. So many people don't want to change. So many people think they're great and they're fine and they don't need to change anything. And then it's just really repressed at night. And then they wonder why they're anxious and they wonder why they can't sit still. And they wonder why they don't like being alone. And they wonder why they got to be on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter all day distracting themselves because they can't spend five minutes alone in their head. So that's what it takes. This is what it's going to take. In order for anybody to change anything in their lives, and this is not even just for an addict. This just goes for anybody, any human being who's miserable in their lives. So many of us cannot be alone. We have to sit in front of a television. We have to sit in front of Facebook. We have to sit in front of all the other crap. I mean, I used to never be able to be alone with... I always would have to have music on. I remember always, no matter what I was doing, music had to be on in the car. No matter who was over, no matter who was around. Oh, I got to put some music on. I did not like the silence in the background. Now there's times where I need to sit in the car in complete silence. I love it. But that's because I love myself and I can enjoy being alone with myself. So that's what it's going to take. And I just basically started this presentation off as kind of just what is self-awareness? And I even I just looked up the definition. What is self-awareness? Self-awareness is a conscious knowledge of one's own character, feelings, motives, and desires. Very simplistic definition right there. Conscious knowledge of one's own character, feelings, motives, and desires. So many different aspects there. And then you take those words and we could break those down. We do five episodes a piece on each each word, character, feelings, motives, desires. A lot of those things we don't even have control over. But the first thing I started noticing that I talked about in this presentation was when you sit in silence, not even necessarily in silence. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, in silence. And you start listening. There's this conversation that starts in your head. I mean, even if you're sitting here and you're in your car or you whatever, just Sit there for a second and just start observing your thoughts as they come by. Just right now, do it for just two seconds. It's so weird when you start having a track of thoughts come through. And now all of a sudden you can find yourself stepping outside of the, that train of thoughts. And there's this voice you start hearing that is critiques every thought that comes through your head. Now, how weird is that? You know, which voice am I? That's what I want to know when I say my name, I'm Sean. Which voice am I saying is Sean? <laughs> it's the trippiest thing ever. It is super freaking weird, but I realize there's always this voice that says something. And then there's always this voice that criticizes it or critiques it at least. I mean, this is one of the most bizarre things ever. And this was one of the first things I realized of what it means to start becoming aware. Because you start becoming aware of your thoughts and you start noticing that you're noticing your thoughts. I'll say that again. You start noticing that you're noticing your thoughts. Now, as far as we know, we are the only living creatures in the world that can do this. I mean, it's pretty obvious not too many other living things can know that they can know that they're thinking or even be able to step outside and observe their thinking. It's really bizarre. There's you know, two types of people, those who think they are self-aware because there's a lot of people who think they are self-aware. And then there's those people who are self-aware. Because there are so many people you'll come across that'll say, yeah, I'm, I'm self-aware. I'm very self-aware. And I was trying to remember, I was reading this article, and they did 
as many years, many years of research and research. And I think it's up somewhere upwards, they said to, and obviously this isn't an exact number, but I remember they're saying it was up in the high 80s, low 90s percentage of people who say they were self-aware. And you drive around the block once or take a walk down the block once, you'll know you're running into ignorant fools who are definitely not self-aware. So the majority of these people who say they're self-aware aren't self-aware. And it's just the plain old truth. But I continued on to read this quote by a clinical psychologist I like. And he talked about these two voices in a book. And his quote is, I started hearing a voice inside my head commenting on my opinions. Every time I said something, it said something. Something critical. This voice applied those critical comments to almost every phrase I spoke. I mean, it is so weird, man. Like, what are we going to, what do we identify with? Who is that? Which one of those voices is me? And why are they arguing? (laughs) I love it. It's just so bizarre. And I realized I had to do something about this because I realized I was in self-pity. was probably the main thing, one of the first things that I needed to work on. And I just had a feeling that these getting these two voices to align and to agree and to complement each other as opposed to arguing and fighting all the time was a key to getting out of self-pity was huge. And the dialogue between these two voices, I feel, is it is necessary to have them be able to coexist very nicely together in order for any of these points to be able to continuously be successful that I'm going to give you. And self-pity was one of the biggest hurdles I knew at the time when I was in jail that I needed to get over. Because once you're in self-pity, it blocks anything else that you are able to learn. It'll keep it all away. Okay, so you know those days when you wake up and one bad thing happens and you're like, oh, it's going to be, I guess it's going to be one of those days. Well, that's just the mindset. So once, once you say that, that's where you begin. That's what you start looking for everywhere and all around is just the negative things to add on to prove yourself right. Yeah, look at it. See, it is one of those days. Stubbed my toe right when I woke up, and I knew it was going to be one of those days. I knew it, and it's such bullshit. And we have to learn to habitually catch that and change our, just shift our whole point of view of the day, of the moment, of the hour, of the minute, whatever it is. Because that's where it is going to happen right then and there. So that was that was my first point in this presentation that I had to discuss. That was the first thing that I realized laying in jail that I had to make the decision to work on it. And as you work on it, you find you catch yourself in it quicker and quicker and quicker. So some days you might be feeling sorry for yourself for two or three days, but then you find it and you notice it. Oh, wait, wait, I'm just feeling sorry for myself. I got to stop this. And then you get out of it and you start focusing on more positive things. And then all of a sudden your whole life, your whole surrounding, your whole environment begins to change. And then you can continue on in a more positive way. And then the more you do that, you start catching it maybe 24 hours into it. And then you start catching it maybe 12 hours into it. And then you start catching it six hours into it till you get to a point where you're only in it for a few minutes now. And you realize, wait, 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 hold on. What I'm doing right now is just feeling sorry for myself. It changes nothing and it makes everything seem absolutely terrible and miserable. So I need to get the F out of it. And that's where it begins right there. Once you're out of that, that is when you can start focusing on the things you need to learn and the things you need to change. So focus on self-pity first. That is a huge thing. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. And you might be completely justified for feeling sorry for yourself. Tons of shit might just happen, but you gotta stop because it does nothing. It does absolutely nothing. So the second thing I realized 
And this was, I think this was still probably towards the end of my six-week stay in jail. It was that I needed to learn to start comparing myself to the yesterday me. And this is key for anybody who is in continuous introspective growth. Because when you change something, it is so easy for that thing that you just changed to become an expectation. And in order for it not to become an expectation... You need to constantly remind yourself of how far you've come, the things you have done, the things you've worked on, and how you've changed. Because what happens when something becomes an expectation, you get pissed off when you goof up and you don't do it. For instance, and this is a very crude and simple example, if I make my bed 364 days and on the 365th day I forget to make it, I will get pissed off at myself. You suck, you you failed, how did you forget to make your bed, you idiot, but you forgot completely that you've been making it for 364 days and that is effing impressive because you've done it so often it doesn't seem like anything special anymore you know it's the hedonic treadmill as they call it something you do continuously over and over again loses its flavor loses its touch it doesn't seem impressive it doesn't seem fun anymore and it gets boring you see it with just brand new things you get a brand new car when you're a kid with toys Christmas time when you're a kid you'd be so friggin' excited to open up your gifts and then two three months later you're tired of them eh, okay go in the corner you might have one or two that's your favorite but that's it and that's exactly what it's like when you change something and that's why it constantly feels like the negative is list is so much bigger than the positive list and it isn't if you sat down and focused on it but because of the things that you've changed already up to the date they seem old and out of touch like oh damn it, I was supposed to do this. Not, oh, it's okay that I didn't do this today because I've been doing it for the last three years every day and I'm allowed to have some slack. I'm allowed to make mistakes. So that was that was this, the second point that I, I really started to touch on in this presentation. And one of the quotes I had up there is that we live within the framework that defines the present as eternally lacking and the future as eternally better. Let me repeat that. We live within the framework that defines the present as eternally lacking and the future as eternally better. So no matter where you are, no matter what you do, no matter what you change, the future is always going to seem better. Something in the future you're going to want, you're going to need, in quotes, you're going to want to change. It's always going to seem better than what you have in the present moment. We are constantly chasing something better in the future. And now this can go both ways. I think personally, I think that's a beautiful tool because that keeps us growing and passionate and keeps us, it keeps us motivated that we want to change and do better and do better and do better. But the problem is when we let the future outweigh the present moment and we forget we're even in the present moment anymore. And so we're constantly chasing something in the future. And by the time we get it, we want something else in the future. And by the time we get that, we want something else in the future. It's just a cycle that we constantly get stuck in with our monkey brains and we have to change it. Another reason why I thought this was so important for me to start doing is because when we compare ourselves to other people, we are pretty much well almost always seeing the best of somebody. When you live with somebody, it's a little different. You can start seeing when they're not themselves, whatever that really means. You can start seeing their negatives. But when you just kind of, you know, see somebody once a week at a group meeting, it seems like they got it all together. They don't. None of us do. None of us have it together. And this quote is we have to stop comparing our behind the scenes with everyone else's highlight reel is so awesome to me because it reminds me of that. I know everything about myself. 
with the exception of things in my subconscious and repressions and stuff like that. Obviously, I don't know. But nobody knows me better than me. I know the shitty things I do. I know the shitty thoughts, I think. And when I compare that to somebody's best that I see once a week, you know, at the grocery store or at a AA, NA meeting or wherever it is, at church, wherever you go, and you see these people and they seem so perfect and happy or I've compared it to their Facebook page and oh my gosh, it just looks like such a happy couple on Facebook. Like we have to stop doing that shit. It's no bueno. It does nothing. Those people are just as screwed up. <laughs> Nobody, nobody's perfect. Nobody's that happy. We all have struggles. You get that happy when you can learn to enjoy the shittier times, but everybody has faults, everybody has mistakes, and everybody definitely has a dark side. So that was my second point. So again, it's it's an awesome tool to be able to see in the future. I mean, shit, think about it back in the day. It was awesome when we would make a kill or collect berries and fruits and realize, wait, I'm going to be hungry in another 12 hours. I should save some of this and not overeat. You know, again, that's one of the biggest differences between us and other animals. If a lion makes a kill, it's eating until it is completely gorged because it has no idea how to go store that meat somewhere where it doesn't spoil and get nasty so it can eat in another six hours. If it's lost in the desert, it doesn't know how to ration food for three months. It just doesn't. It is the biggest difference between us and other animals. And then you can argue, oh, but squirrels forage. They go bury their nuts. Yeah, and I think they only find like 10% of the nuts they bury. And we are the only species that can do that. And it's awesome, awesome tool, obviously. We're the most successful living thing in this universe that we know of anyway. But yet it is our biggest burden as well. It keeps us completely unhappy in the present. It keeps us completely in this illusion of thought that the future holds something better than what the present is holding currently. And it makes us miserable. So we gotta stop. So the second point was compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not to somebody else's today. That is the name of a chapter that was in a book that I read by this awesome clinical psychologist whose name I'm not going to mention because for some reason all the incredible things that this man has talked about and has been so profound, it gets completely overlooked because of some other stupid political topics. So whatever. If you want to learn how to change yourself, this guy is incredible. He's an amazing human being and I've been able to change a lot from his lectures and presentations and his writing. So there's that. The third point that I discussed, the third thing that I found that I needed in my life was to be to live in truth and not a truth in like a factual sense, just my own truth, my own honesty, my just precision, my speech, my being completely open and honest with not only everybody in my life and my existence that steps into my universe but with myself as well this just means just saying hey what you did hurt my feelings what you did made me angry what you did bothered me what you didn't do bothered me hey i gotta talk about this because i feel this something's off and this is so important and not only your relationship with yourself, but your relationship with everybody else around you and living in truth. This is not easy at all. I read this quote by Friedrich Nietzsche. A man's worth is determined by how much truth he can tolerate. And when I first read that, and I think it was his book, Will to Power, maybe. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But when I first read this quote, I was like, what does he mean? What does that mean? A man's worth is determined by how much truth he can tolerate. And then I realized the light bulb clicked off. In order for me to grow 
as an individual in order for me to become a better person in order for me to change i need nothing but honesty and sometimes honesty sucks sometimes honesty hurts sometimes honesty is uncomfortable and painful and miserable but it is the only way to change if I tell myself all day that I'm this perfect human being that doesn't need to change anything, well, obviously nothing's going to get changed, and I'm just lying, but it's comfortable. And this is where things really started changing for me, because I started to train myself to thrive in the uncomfortableness, if that's a word, <laughs> in the uncomfortability. There we go. Because I started to thrive in the uncomfortability. I mean, this is the honesty, even when we know we are completely wrong to be honest and talk about it. Man, that's tough. That is a very, very difficult habit to get into because not only do we have to fight through our egos, we are just throwing ourselves in the uncomfortable truth that we made a mistake. Ooh, and being an addict, you have to start going through that. If you want to talk to people and apologize to people and just look somebody in the eyes that you manipulated and you stole from, that takes a lot of courage and strength. But man, is it liberating. It is so liberating. And I'm telling you, it will hurt. It will be uncomfortable. It is not fun at times. But there's something at the end of it when you look and you just get done doing it. And look at somebody in the eyes and you don't have any excuses and you just say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I did. You know what? I was wrong. You were right. I was wrong. That sucks to say. <laughs> I'm not even saying it to anybody right now. But just thinking about it, I feel it like, oof, that is not fun. But the worst thing you can do is absolutely nothing. The worst thing you can do is ignore it. And why do we ignore? We ignore, like when we ignore something, we act like it's just going to disappear. Like if I ignore my electric and gas bill, oh shit, I'm just going to pretend I don't have to pay it. What the hell is going to happen? My electric and gas are getting turned off eventually. And not talking about something doesn't make it go away. Not talking about a failure means we're not going to know success. Because that's the only way to become successful in something in your own life is to be truthful and to go through the failures, to go through the shittiness and start sorting it and putting it together in a nice neat package so that we can learn from it and look at it and grow from it. And that is so important, so important and it's so difficult. And I brought up this book and I can't, I always forget the name of it. Damn it. I always forget the name. Even at the presentation, I forgot the name of it, but it's called, oh, I don't even know, but it's about this boy who has a dragon about the size of a cat. And he goes to his mom and says, mom, there's a dragon in the house. And the mother goes, there's no such thing as dragon, sweetie. And the dragon gets bigger and he's eating breakfast and the dragon eats his breakfast. And he goes, mom, the dragon ate my pancakes. And his mom goes, there's no such thing as dragon, sonny. And the dragon gets bigger. And the boy keeps telling his mom, 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 there's a dragon, there's a dragon. And the mom keeps denying it. And the dragon just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Until finally, it takes the house off the foundation. And its dragon is running with the house on its back down the street. And the husband comes home and like, what the hell is going on here? I'm sure he didn't say that because it's a children's book. But he's like, what's going on? And the wife goes, I don't know. I don't know what's happening. And then the husband looks around and he sees that he's like, sweetie, there's a dragon in the house. And the dragon got smaller. And they keep talking about the dragon and the dragon this and the dragon that. And the dragon keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And the biggest thing to take away from this is when you don't talk about the problem, it could be something simple. It could be one thing that your significant other said that bothered you and you don't say nothing and you don't live in truth and you're not precise with what actually is bothering you. It will keep getting bigger. It's the elephant in the room, folks. It'll keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. 
until one day there's a fucking divorce. Until one day there's a breakup. Until one day there's a fallout. There's a fight. There's an argument. So bad. Because maybe back at the original time would probably maybe there will be an argument. But I'm telling you right now, it will be nothing compared to a year down the road when you didn't say anything and you have resentments towards this person out of some little simple thing that happened a year ago. You didn't and you didn't want to talk about it then. So now it's this gigantic thing weighing on a whole entire household. It's ripping the house apart and tearing it off, it off its foundations. Like we have to become honest with not only ourselves, with everybody else around us. And a great example is a wife finding out her husband's cheating on him. And all of a sudden that poor woman becomes a victim. That poor woman got cheated on. And I am not justifying infidelity whatsoever here. But maybe if that woman or that husband said something two years prior that was bothering him, that they weren't having enough sex, or she wasn't getting enough attention, or he wasn't allowed to do certain things once a month with his buddies, whatever it may be, because of that small issue that wasn't talked about. Now we're down the road here two years and the husband completely checked out and is with another woman because in this new woman, he's finding something that he lost just because he couldn't bring something up in the relationship that he wasn't in, in the past. And this is why it's just so important to completely communicate and be honest about how you feel. Talk, communicate, say how you feel. Even if how you feel or why you feel the way you do is wrong, just say it. And it goes back to that two voices quote that I talked about, that sayer and the judger that is constantly going on. When you get those two to agree, generally you're at least speaking your own truth. When I say, hey, what you just did really bothered me, and there's not another voice or saying, no, it didn't. When those two voices agree, that's, that's your truth at that moment. Your truth may be wrong. I'm not denying that because those truths get formed from beliefs. And sometimes the beliefs we hold are just plain out wrong and not correct. But if you want to become a better person, if you want to work on yourself, if you want to change, if you want to live an awesome, fulfilling life that you're just happy, even when you make mistakes, even when you've been wronged, even when you do wrong, you have to just live in your own truth. There's just no doubt about that. Say what you mean so that you can find out what you mean. Act what you say so you can find out what happens. Then pay attention. Note your errors, articulate them, strive to correct them. I mean, you're going to make mistakes. But if you're not honest about everything, you're not going to be able to find out what those mistakes are. And if you don't find out what those mistakes are, how are you going to learn from them? How are you going to change? And that's how you discover the beauty of life. That's how you find out a purpose. Even if you believe this is all meaningless and pointless, you can still give it some meaning, even if it's not for real. <laughs> but that's the beauty of the meaninglessness and purposelessness of life is that you can give it meaning, whatever meaning you want to give it. But you have to do this. You have to live in honesty, especially with yourself, especially in your relationships, because there's always a dark secret and closed door. And there's always going to be neurotic behavior that follows. There's always going to be, I'm going to watch Netflix all day so I don't have to think and work on anything in my life. So that was my third point. Just live in truth. Be honest. I knew I had to do this. I knew in order for me not to slip back into the grips of addiction where I would numb and pretend that everything's okay for that 30 seconds that I was actually high. I had to be truthful. I had to be honest. I had to be able to look people in the eye and say, I fucked up. I made a mistake. 
I wronged you. I lied to you. I stole from you. I manipulated you. All so I could feel better for a temporary moment. Instead of being honest and truthful from the get-go, finding out what's really wrong, finding out why I'm guilty, why I'm shameful, why I'm fearful, why I don't love myself. I, instead of figuring all that out, I just numbed. Whew, it's getting heavy in here. <laughs> so that was my third point. I thought that one was tough. Number four was even better. And that was vulnerability. Oh, yeah. I often say that this one was the beginning of the downfall of my relationship with my ex-wife. Or I'll say this was the cause of my divorce. <laughs> Actually, if you, any of you guys, I'm sure most of you people who listen to this have seen the TED Talks of Renee Brown on vulnerability. And I always tell people Brene Brown was why I got divorced. <laughs> and I had this stereotypical relationship with my, my wife at the time. And then all of a sudden, you know, my relationship was I worked, she worked, we watched football, ate dinner, didn't talk about any issues in our relationship really. I'm going to watch football, I'm going to be goofy, and I'm going to be angry, and that's it. I don't talk about my feelings, you don't talk about yours, and we're good. So once I seen the Brene Brown's TED Talks, I just immediately knew, wow, I need that. I want to feel that authentic, genuine, open rawness of existence. Because as tough as that is, there's something so beautiful about it, and I want it. So I started doing it. And Michelle, my now ex-wife, was not having it. Whether she knew it or not, not that she listens to this podcast... But I'm sure if she heard this, she'd be like, that's not true at all. But it was. I started trying to talk about things that I struggled with, and she did not want anything to do with it. And man, did that hurt. Man, did that suck. Because that's what happens, right? We, we're vulnerable and open with people, and we get rejected. So we clam back up even tighter than we've ever been clinging before. Now I'm not going to open up to anybody. But this is huge because this is how you feel connection. This is how you feel existence. This is how you feel alive. But it hurts. Just like truth, because really, they're essentially, they're kind of connected because when you're truthful and you're open and you're honest about how you feel and your mistakes, you're vulnerable. But we get scared, right? So we get scared that somebody won't accept us for who we are. So we, we clam up. But the only way to feel connection is to be open and have somebody accept us the way that we are. So we try to do that with somebody and then they, they shoot us down and then we clam back up. No, I'm not going to show you this anymore. I'm not going to show anybody this. I'm just going to keep this to myself. But then you go around living and you still feel this disconnection. You still feel out of place. You still feel hidden. You still feel scared. But in order to feel connection, in order for connection to happen, we need to be seen. But we're afraid if we're seen for who we truly are, we won't feel connection. It's such a paradox. It's such an enigma. It's just crazy. Because we want to feel one thing, but in order to do it, we have to do something that we don't feel, that we don't feel, that if we do, we'll feel what we want to feel, <laughs> if that makes any sense. So you have to be willing to let go of who you think you should be and just be you. And that is the key to vulnerability and not care and be truthful. So many of us, I mean, let's say all of us have shame. We do, you know, and we all have that feeling I think in the TED Talks, Brene Brown defines shame as something that there's something about me that if other people see it, I won't be good enough. And I don't care who you are or what facade or persona you put up. You have that. You want to be accepted. You want to feel connected. And that's one of the biggest things in the world that we want is connection. And the key to that is vulnerability and authenticity. 
It is. It's the key to the city, for lack of a better term. <laughs> I mean, it's just uncomfortable, man. And it's scary, but it's the only way. It's the only way to feel alive. It's the only way to feel beautiful. It's the only way to learn to love yourself, accept yourself, forgive yourself, have confidence in yourself. When you become confident in your faults, the sky's the limit. <laughs> it really is. Because then you're not afraid anymore. When you're not afraid to fail anymore, and you pay attention when you fail, and then going back to being precise in your speech, so you name what you fail, you articulate it, you put it into words, and you're able to learn from it. And when you can learn from your mistakes, it is such a great way to move forward. Essentially, it's the only way to move forward. It is beautiful. Vulnerability is crazy. If you haven't seen the Brene Brown TED Talk on vulnerability, you gotta go check it out. It is a must. It'll change your life. It'll flip your world upside down. It'll be scary, but <sighs> man, it's huge. It is a huge one. That's what she said. And, you know, as I said, kind of throughout all of this, we all have a dark side. We all have a shitty side. We all have a bad side of ourselves. And we all really, at one point in our life, we have to either, either we ignore it and we repress it and we project it on the other people, or we learn to start finding those things that we're terrible at and changing them. That was one of my favorite tools that I learned from the love of reading psychology was projection. And once I started to realize that, wow, the things that I find that are wrong in other people are 90% of the time something that's wrong in me. So anytime now when I catch myself, I mean, sometimes it might be 12 hours a day, two days later where I reflect on something and I realize I was picking something shitty out about somebody and I find that in me. That is such a great tool for growth because then all of a sudden, all right, oh, this guy, he's such a complainer. This person's so jealous. And then I start, oh, hmm, let me look to see jealousy in myself. Let me look to find to see how much I complain. And you will find it. You better believe that. It's crazy. So one of my favorite things about all of this is you don't even have to be struggling with substance use. This can be anybody who listens to this podcast. All these points are just so great to change. And that was my favorite thing about this podcast, even though it's mainly centered around substance use disorder and recovery from substance use disorder, that all these things can help anybody. I mean, essentially, you know, Dr. Gabor Mate talks about not why the addiction, why the pain, because that's really what addiction is. Really what struggling with substance use is, is you're numbing something and you feel better and you're avoiding something. So you have to work on your own individuality. So all these things help it. All these things are so important. You know, getting out of self-pity, being precise in your speech, being truthful, comparing yourself to who you were yesterday so you can see the growth in yourself constantly. You know, make small goals. Make obtainable goals. If you set a goal, you miss a goal. Aim a little lower. Another quote I stole from somebody, aim a little lower. Aim lower. <laughs> make those little goals that you can obtain. And you start seeing these, the progress in yourselves become vulnerable. Allow people to see your mistakes. Allow people to see your faults. And I'm telling you, it doesn't sound right, but it feels great. It doesn't sound like it'll feel great, but it does. It's beautiful. And we got, we're going to go through your darkness. You got to. If you want to change, if you want to fucking enjoy life, you got to go through your darkness. Here's a Carl Jung quote. We don't become enlightened by pretending to be perfect. We become enlightened when we have the courage to acknowledge and embrace our darkness. We have to learn to look at ourselves. If enlightenment was easy, everybody would tell their brother. <laughs> it's a, a Zen quote. Because it's not easy. 
to look at yourself and find out the things you need to fix. And one other point I want to mention here at the end now is we have to change why into what. Stop asking why. The question why leads you to self-pity. Because there is no why. Why this happened to me? Why doesn't this happen to me? There's no reason for that. But if you take that why and you put into what, what can I learn from this? What can I do with this? Or even maybe how? How can I change this? How can I fix this? That's when you start learning. That's when you start paying attention. That's when you start changing. If you look at the few blogs I've written, which I got to get on top of that and start uh, pumping more of those out. But if you look at the one blog I wrote, My Paradoxical Addiction, it basically talks about all the screwed up things that I've done up until this point. And I've done a lot of them. All the messed up things, lying, stealing, manipulating, you know, cheating people out of certain things, whatever it is. I've done so many screwed up things, but if I didn't do all those things, I would not be sitting behind this microphone having the courage to be open and honest with the things I've had to change with my faults for 30, I think this is the 33rd episode or 34th episode, something like that. And I would not have, I would not be coming this beautiful, incredible man that is living to, starting to live to his full potential and being able to do the things that I was created to do. If it was not for my struggle with addiction and substance use, change why into what? Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Just stop. It does nothing. It prevents you from learning. It prevents you from even moving. It keeps you locked in your room all day. It keeps you on Netflix. It keeps you on Facebook. Just stop feeling sorry for yourself. Learn. Train your brain to notice it. Start comparing yourself to who you were last year, a month ago, yesterday, whatever. You're not comparing yourself to somebody else and where they're at. Compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not to who somebody else is today. Live in truth. Be honest with yourself, people. Be honest with anybody who hurt you, your wife, your girlfriend, your husband, boyfriend, son, daughter, parents, whoever it may be, cousins, brothers, sisters, whatever. If they do something to hurt you, just tell them in a, in a, a genuine way. And not in an accusatory way, but just in, hey, what you did, that hurt. That bothered me. And then be vulnerable. In order to do any of those things, you need to be vulnerable. And then learn from all of it. And these are, this is something I have to go over with myself on a daily basis because it is easy to slip up. It is easy to slip up and be back into the shithole way of thinking. But we just got to do it, y'all. All right, I'm checking out. Thanks for listening. Love you guys. Get on the website and let me know what you think of a solo episode. I think this is really the first one I did. I think I did a 20-minute one way back when. If I called an audio journal, maybe I'll call that that. I don't know. I guess you'll know before you even hear this part of the podcast. So, All right, guys. Room9podcast.com. Check it out. Get on the website. I want to hear from you guys. Facebook page, Room9 Podcast. Like I just want to hear from everybody. Get some input. If you want to get on the show, have ideas for the show, email room9podcast at gmail.com. Let me know what you think, what you'd like to see, what you'd like to hear, what you'd like happening here. If you know somebody who wants a recovery coach, email me, room9podcast at gmail.com. Let me know, you know, somewhere, somewhere where you think doing a presentation about these topics would be useful and helpful. Let me know. Send me an email. All right. Take it easy. Much love. Peace out.